Welcome back to the Not Dead Yet podcast. I'm your host, John Mason Brink. I'm here with Tim Ward. Tim, how you doing today? I'm doing okay, JP. I was wondering if you were sure where you were, who you were, and what you were doing. I'm never sure about any of that stuff. Yeah, we're excited to bring in our next guest. It's two guests, if you can believe it. And one of them, it's his third time. It's, uh, we'll bring him in, Michael Kopp, former executive director of PHCC, and now his successor, Mark and Grayo. How you guys doing? We're doing great. Thank you. Yeah, doing really well. So, Michael, your, uh, <laughs> your swan song, you're about to ride off into the sunset. We've talked to you about this in the past. Uh, what, what, what are you doing now, and what's your plan for, for the future? Well, right now, I'm working with Mark as we endeavor a, a smooth transition between myself and, and Mark coming in as the new CEO. We're getting ready for new board orientation in December, and then a brand new strategic planning effort in January, which I think Mark will hopefully talk about. Um, and, you know, personally, my wife and I are now starting to think about, oh, we, we quit our jobs. We have to go somewhere and go live somewhere. So we're excited about, uh, you know, the new chapter um, down in down in Texas. How long were you at PHCC? Seven years? Is that right? Six, yeah, six, six plus years. Yep. Yeah. And we can't thank you enough for the for the leadership and the things that you did for PHCC. We're surely going to miss you. Maybe we could just have you on as a special guest and you could, I don't know, we'll have to figure out what you're doing. At the, yeah, at I could talk about so. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> there you go. I, I, I was waiting for John to show up with an honorary bow tie on this morning. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm taking the bow ties <laughs> with me. So, Mark, um, welcome, and uh, you know we're excited for the next chapter of PHCC. Tell us about the process of, I guess, applying for this position, or how you got interested, and what that process was of becoming, you know, the next the next guy. So, yeah, let me. I'll, I'll start with you know my background. I actually come out of the trade association background. My father was a carpenter by trade, and I was a lobbyist for the National Apartment Association, and also. Uh, worked with a local association that was a chapter of, of uh, the National Apartment Association. And then most recently, I represented the home builders here in uh, Northern Virginia. But I came by this job actually through LinkedIn. I saw it in LinkedIn and um, really? I, inquired, I inquired about it and talked to the recruiter. And, you know, I was like the third person he had talked to in this process, which actually had something north of 400 applicants. Uh, the process was extremely um professional. The, the vetting of the candidates was great. I think the search committee was very, uh, they were very in tune to what they were looking for and asked great questions. Yeah. So the process took, you know, a little longer than one might expect when, when you're replacing a CEO of quality of Michael, it's, uh, you know, you got to take a little longer, right. To do that. Um, but it was, it was, a, it was a good process overall. Yeah, and you're you're kind of stepping into a time where, well, I always say it's unprecedented. Maybe that's corny or what, but I mean, we're we got challenges with supply chain. We got challenges with you know the skilled labor. I mean, you're walking into like a fire here. So, um, what what are some things that like are must do things on your list to start off? Being onboarded the way that they that this organization is onboarded, its new CEO, I think is best practices. You know, Michael mentioned he and I have worked together. We overlapped for about a month and a half where Michael was still the CEO and I was shadowing him. And then 
uh, at our connect, we had our, our annual meeting or board meeting and uh, I was seated there and Michael still acts and um, is my consultant in, in the background. So I think the process has been great. And I will say to you that though it's a quagmire of issues that we are stepping into, this organization is very well positioned. I think from a financial perspective, from a membership perspective, Michael and the team here have done a phenomenal job in positioning this organization as being the the organization to join if you are a, a plumbing, heating, or cooling contractor. Having said that, there are some um, headwinds that we're going to be facing. You mentioned two of them. Uh, the supply chain issues are going to be really big for our members, and you know, we're, we're trying to work regulatorily and legislatively on the Hill to address some of those for our members. Um, and that's where I think one of our biggest benefits of membership is, is we have people on the Hill and people in the regulatory environment that are really helping our members. I think another thing that um, is, is, and we're really excited about this, it was actually Michael's brainchild, is what we call business intelligence. So this is a way where you take information in, you synthesize it, you push it back out to your members to help them become the contractor of choice. And I would say to you that we're in the process of standing that department up. The board approved that in October. And um, we're really excited about that because that's going to be a game changer, I think, for our industry and our contractors. They're going to be receiving information more in a proactive um, perspective as opposed to a reactive perspective. I think standing that committee up will be, um, be something that will be a great challenge and looking forward to doing that. Uh, also, education. We want to make sure, to your point, the workforce challenges that we are facing, we want to make sure that we are there to provide the education to our, to, uh, our apprentices, to, to the young men and women who want to get into the trades. I come out of the trades and I often said that I think that people look down on the trades in some respects, right? It was kind of the booby prize if you didn't go to college. Well, now this is a this is not a booby prize. People um, people come out as a tradesman and they're doing really well for themselves financially without any debt. And it's a great career. Um, so I think being able to advertise that and educate parents and guidance counselors on the path to tradesmanship is is going to be a challenge. But I, again, one that I look forward to. Go back to something Mark mentioned earlier about coming from a family of tradespeople. How important or how critical was that as you were going through the process of becoming the new CEO? How important is that to have that like background in the trades as you're leading, you're becoming the face of this new trade of PHCC? Yeah, that's a great question, Tim. I, I, so a couple things. First of all, I, I was a member of three different labor unions um, when I was come, growing up. I was working for my father and then I worked as a longshoreman for a while. I worked in the in um, an office union. So I understand the union side of it, which we have a number of contractors who are union. But I also represented small businesses as, a, as the head of a chamber of commerce for 10 years. So I have the perspective of both, right, that I, I think will benefit me going forward in this role. But, the, you know, understanding what the tradesmen go through and, you know, it, the trades is a, is a really, I mentioned, it's a really great life. But I can remember watching my father come home every night. You know, he was exhausted because he was working with his hands and having that perspective and trying to meet the demands that a tradesman would encounter either as a tradesman or when they are starting their own business. And my father ended up being the president of the company that he worked for for 14 years. He was the president with a 10th grade education. So I saw the value that the trades provided him 
and how he could transition that into a business and be a businessman. And, and that, that experience, I believe, will help as I relate to our tradesmen and our, and our contractors. Hey, uh, going back to you, you mentioned PHCC Connect. Michael, I know you were excited last year when we talked to you about finally having an in-person uh, event and yeah. it went off. It was successful. I mean, how do, how do you guys see that show? Or when you look back, um, I saw both of you on the tr- trade show floor. You guys were very happy. So what, you know, what were your thoughts about the show? Uh, you know, we were very excited to roll out the virtual conference last year. I would like to have seen more participation, but at the end of the day, I think we pulled off a great event um, that provided a lot of content uh, for our members. Mm-hmm. But our members are social beings. You know, they love to be together. It's in mm-hmm. their DNA. And while uh, people appreciated that virtual event, um, they were begging us to put a face-to-face event on. And if you just look at the numbers, I mean, we were at uh, over 700, you know, between the attendees, the exhibitors, um, the students participating in the apprenticeship program. Uh, and that was what 81% of where we were in Indianapolis, which was our highest attended show. And having folks like you and, and, um, and having the media there and, and having our alliance members, uh, attending. It was, it was just like a kickoff to what I think will be an even greater show uh, in Charlotte next year. Um, I think this really set the foundation. And we were quite safe in presenting this event as well. Um, so we're very pleased about that. Yeah, and, and, and coming into this you know, from the outside and watching, uh, first of all, the group here did a phenomenal job putting on a very professional program. I'm, I'm actually reading over the surveys as we right before this call. And I, I was just, I was amazed at the, um, and Mike mentioned earlier, the camaraderie, the family feel of the people in this association is very strong, right? Because a lot of these contractors are second, third, fourth generation. So there's a family feel to this association as well as a loyalty to each other and this association. So that all what kind of came out in this meeting and it was it was great to see everybody in person, and, and you could tell that there was a lot of energy, as Michael mentioned, in the room because people wanted to be together. And I think this is a great launch pad for us for Charlotte uh, for next year. Membership's the lifeblood of any organization. What is PHCC doing to grow its membership as we go into 2022? Small businesses are, you know, you talked earlier about the supply chain issues and 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 you know, just getting people into the trades. What's PHCC doing to grow its membership base? Well, I think I think it goes back to the value of membership, right? So we are providing education classes through our foundation to grow our own workforce, right? So that's one way of, of building your ranks is to grow your own workforce, teach your own workforce. And then once they become tradesmen, then they come to the association side and we teach them how to be good businessmen and women, how to run a business, how to be entrepreneurs. So I think that's one thing that we can provide for them to, to grow the business, to, to grow our association. Uh, another is this new concept that, again, the Michael, Michael's brainchild was business intelligence. If we can use that as a way to provide our members with information they wouldn't normally receive from anywhere else, or at least we condense that information into usable data that they can use, 
I think once people see that there's that value uh, in the membership there, I think we, we will be able to recruit, recruit more people. And by the way, I actually come from down chain. So as a federation, you know, we have a state, we have the federal, the state and the local. I actually represented the regional for the home builders industry. So I know what it's like to be at the bottom end of a federation and what the needs are there. So I think I'll be able to relate um, very well with the those people that are running the state and local chapters and really try to find out where their pain points are so that we can address them going forward. You know, the, the, the fact is that the membership, um, you know, needs to grow. There's power in numbers. Um, and I think we're also needing to think about, well, what's the, what's the member demographic 10 years from now? And what organization do we need to have in place in order to serve those members? And I think those members being much younger are going to be participating in our association very differently than us old farts did. You know, it's, it's going to be uh, people looking for information that they can't get anywhere else. It's going to be mm-hmm. them networking with each other to figure out best practices and to share those best practices. Um, I, I think it's going to be more cerebral than, than, than maybe, you know, we've thought about in the past. Um, yes, networking is going to be very important, but I think networking is going to look very different. So I think we're setting ourselves up for growth in, again, looking at the strategic plan in, in January and deciding, well, what kind of organization do we need now and what do we need 10 years from now and, and set those goals and, and hopefully achieve them. Well, real quick, Mark, I was going to say, John and I talked to Tony Bertolino last week on our podcast, and a prime example of what I see the future of the trades could become, and he's a young tradesman who has got quality wrapped all around him. And, you know, as the trainer of the year last year for PHCC, you know, I, you guys can see that uh, in him, and I applaud you guys for, you know, uh, all the things you're doing, but yeah, I see him being, that's the kind of face of the tradesman we see in 10 or 15 years, probably. Yeah. Well, that, that the youth, yes, but let me pull that thread a little bit, a little bit further too. We also need to reach out to what I will call underserved or undermarketed areas and bring in, you know, people, people from all walks of life, people, right. You know, divert, you've heard about diversity, equity, and inclusion, but we really do need to reach out to those those communities and show them the value of a good trades, uh, a trades job. So I, I think that's another challenge, not only youth, but I think our diversity, there's a lot, there's a lot of people out there. I think we, they would be attractive to what, you know, to, to working in the trades and being a contractor. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Let's talk a little bit about uh, advocacy and uh, PHCC's involvement on Capitol Hill. You know, they just passed this infrastructure bill. I don't know how it plays into, uh, you know, drills down to the single contractor. But um, what what does PHCC and how active are they on Capitol Hill? Well, I'm proud to say that over the last six years, our presence on Capitol Hill has quadrupled. I mean, we in 2016, one of the first things we did when I came on board was host a roundtable to talk about workforce uh, development issues, uh, and we did that on Capitol Hill. We invited a number of of staffers and senators and, and congresspeople to come and, and just talk about that issue. And that was sort of a jumping off point for us to really get um, engaged, both on the plumbing and HVAC side. And then secondarily, putting uh, you know Chuck White in in uh, the regulatory role 
as a as a contractor, I think has helped tremendously in getting our voice heard. In uh, you know, the legislation talks about what we're going to do, and regulatory talks about how we're going to do it. Uh, inserting some common sense from the co- contractor perspective on the regulatory side, I think, has been a tremendous uh, help uh, ultimately for for our members. Obviously, with the supply chain issues of workforce and infrastructure, you know, our members are, are watching this very carefully. And like anything, that there's things they like and there's things that concern them, and you know, they make the members aware of those concerns and. And then we move forward to figure out how to make it all work. But, you know, it's all about positioning our members so that they can, you know, benefit from those efforts and ultimately be the contractor of choice for that work. Yeah. And John, I'll just uh, I'll add that that my background is advocacy. I actually lobbied for two different organizations, uh, five years on Capitol Hill and 11 years at the state legislature. And I will tell you that, you know, I believe it is. And in some respects, the silent value of membership, right? People, people want you to do it. They know what's going on, but sometimes they don't understand it enough to want to get engaged. And that's why having people like Mark Valentini on our legislative side and Chuck White on our regulatory side who are, know this stuff cold is really important. I think the other thing we can help is at down chain, right, into the states, we can really help them understand the legislation from the from the from the national level, but also help educate them on how to advocate at the state and local level if they don't have that that um, skill set in their in their team there. So, I think we've got a lot of uh, a lot of opportunities going forward. But as Michael said, I think we've done a really good job of letting letting congressmen, men, and women know what our position is. And regarding the bill, I think, you know, I think the infrastructure bill has more good in it than bad. And I think our members would say that there's some really, um, really good stuff for the, for the plumbing industry and the, in the HVAC industry there. So I think I'm not saying that we love the bill, but there are things that I think are better than, uh, than not. So mm-hmm. we're going to benefit from that. I think going forward. I, I'd like to just add one last thing, John, that's that, you know, over the last few years, we've worked really hard to engage our alliance partners, you know, the other trade associations within the plumbing and HVAC space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're talking on each side, you know, roughly 12, half, you know, a, a dozen or so different types of trade associations, a couple of whom are contractor organizations, and making sure we're talking to them about, you know, what we're, what we see coming down the pike with, with regulatory and legislative efforts. Um, and working with them so that we can, where it makes sense, have kind of a single voice um, that speaks for the industry and, and that, we, that we're somewhat, you know, coordinated a, as we work through those um, issues. And then listening to our partners, you know, our corporate partners and our manufacturers and people who also have concerns and they have, you know, government relations staff. And we want to make sure we're talking to them so that we're not kind of staring at our own belly buttons. You know, we're we're looking up above the berm and seeing how these decisions on Capitol Hill are impacting all of the stakeholders around us and trying to position ourselves as, you know, the organization that has a strong voice in, in these conversations. You know, uh, Mark, you mentioned uh, the state level uh, PHCC. I was just curious, is there a level of autonomy that you guys have or let the state you know, individual PHCC state organizations have? 
Yeah, absolutely. And in any federation, you have that. You know, you always have the mothership, as we used to call it when I was in that building industry. And, you know, and we can do things at the national level because just, you know, economies of scale, we can provide some benefits to our to our state and local chapters that they they can't afford. But, yeah, they absolutely run their shops the way they want to run them. Um, you know, they, they hire who they want to hire. They emphasize what they need to emphasize, depending on where they are in the country. You know, it's, it's some Michael mentioned this, some are all about networking. What is that going to look like in 10 years? Some are about education. Um, some are about workforce. Uh, some are about all those things. So I think, yeah, they, they, they operate pretty autonomously. And I, when I was down, you know, down chain, I used to operate pretty autonomously. But I always appreciated the national and always appreciated the value that they provided. And, you know, as a CEO of, of that organization, I could pick and choose what was best for my members in my area. And I think we have a number of uh, state chapters to do that very thing. Yeah, I think, John, it's, it's important to remember that the local chapters and the state chapters are independent 501c6 entities. Uh-huh. So they have their own board of directors. They have committees. You know, they, they are self-sustaining uh, organizations. And so our job is to support them how uh-huh. they ask to be supported using, you know, national reach and using the resources that we have nationally and they can benefit from scale. Wanted to go back to the the trade show. Uh, I've been going to the PHCC show for I don't know, sixteen years now, seventeen years. You're showing and your age, John. I know, but uh, <laughs> PHCC Connect was the Connect part. Did you did you come up with that? I just remember it being fairly recently that PHCC added this Connect to it because that's exactly what it is. We had mentioned the show uh, last month. And it's people getting together. They love being together. You guys put on great breakout seminars, uh, educational tracks, but it's it's the connection and with contractors all across the country. I'm not sure where I'm going with this, but I just want people to know about it and how do they get involved with PHCC? You've asked two questions. That mm-hmm. makes you a brilliant person. Um, so <laughs> the, fir- the first question is, how long has it been Connect? Well, I think at one point early on, long before I started, we actually uh, had a show with Ish. Uh, yep. So that would have been many years ago. Um, so we've had, you know, we adopted the Connect moniker, I believe, when we stepped away from, from that arrangement and started offering our own program. So I want to say 10 years, but yeah. uh, I could be off a year or two. Um, and that's exactly what it is. I think it's the perfect name for that event. Um, and we work really hard to, to connect people with best practices and with each other. Uh, as Mark noted, you know, it's a very family oriented uh, mm-hmm. kind of feel. Um, in terms of getting involved, I mean, it, it, it really requires recruitment at every level of our federation. So we need the locals recruiting, we need the chapters recruiting, and of course we need national to, to be providing those recruiting tools and and recruit ourselves and i think it's gonna it's gonna stem from the benefits that we continue to offer um and the support that we offer with the with the state locals um because uh joining phcc is pretty easy if you're a business owner in the plumbing heating cooling space uh you need to come talk to us we've got a lot of resources for you Uh, we've got discount programs um and and you're entering into 
really a, a family of best practices and people who really care about themselves and in the, in the industry. We hear your passion. What, <laughs> looking back on the last, you know, almost seven years, guiding, being the guiding force behind PHCC with all its members and the board members and committees, what's, what do you take away? What do you leave most proud of? Well, first of all, I got to say, no one stood behind me. Uh, everyone has stood beside me, whether it's the staff, whether it's the local and state executives, whether it's been our alliance members, whether it's been folks like John and, and you, Tim. Uh, you know, everything is, is done with a team of people who care about what they're doing and care about the people for whom they're doing it. So I'm, I'm really proud of, with just that sense of, of connectivity and, and collaboration, which was a value that we added back in 2016 when we updated our strategic plan. I think what brought us closer together, frankly, was, was COVID. Um, mm -hmm. We had to figure out how to run our business differently, and we had to help our contractors learn how to run their businesses differently. And dare I say, I think we've been successful um, in doing that and communication. And you guys remember, we talked about this in the last podcast that I was invited to. You know, you cannot over communicate with your members and with your stakeholders. Um, and the, you know, the COVID Resource Center, which became the Recovery Center, offered so much information. Um, and from that, it taught us, you know, how to communicate with our members using different medias to do that. I think rolling out the new magazine, um, PHC Solutions Magazine, it's a quarterly publication, has been a tremendous um, asset for our members. I wasn't sure if that was the right thing to do, um, but it turned out to be a great thing because it's a physical magazine. People get in their mailbox and they're reminded quarterly that they belong to PHCC. And the content that's in that magazine, I think, is top-notch. So, you know, standing up the education department with, with providing additional professional development, um, now standing up the business intelligence group, which I think is going to tie in nicely with, you know, not just um, the, the business intelligence gathering, the surveying and the sharing of that information, but how it's going to inform education, how it's going to inform advocacy, communications, uh, business development, how it will help our industry partners our enhanced service groups and uh, and the apprenticeship program, uh, I think is only going to enrich the content that, that we can get out to the members. So that's where we're headed. And I think these were the right steps to take. Well, on behalf of, you know, what we do with our audience, thank you very much for everything you've done for the industry over the last seven years, Michael. Thank you, Tim. All right. You ready for the gauntlet of questions? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means. Here comes the hard no. stuff. No, I was just going to kind of, as we wrap up uh, today and thank you for your time and, and, and information, but what do you guys like to do in your spare time? I know we've talked to Michael about this, but Mark, when you're not working with PHCC and you know, you're new into this, so you're spending a lot more time, but what do you like to do in your spare time away from the office? Uh, well, actually, John, I forget because I spend so much time in this office now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, no, I, I am. So I'm a native Washingtonian, born and raised here. So I actually live about a mile from the office, which is oh, really wow. very convenient. Um, in my spare time, so not married, uh, don't have a family, but uh, my spare time, 
like to play golf and pickleball. And I love to travel, so I, I've been I've been overseas, been to Italy many times. I have family there, so I go and visit them in Naples. You know, just just I like to stay active. I work out every day. I'm I'm I'm, I'm an active guy. I also referee high school wrestling, and I wow. uh, I used to umpire softball. I was on the national staff of the Amateur Softball Association, and you know ran their clinics and wrote the rules and. I'm the uh, state assistant state rules interpreter for wrestling here in uh, Virginia. I just I try to stay as active as I possibly can and, and do a lot of a lot of fun things. That one last thing which I th- always love to tell people is um, I'm a big football fan. I was born into the now the Washington football team, previously the Redskins. And um, one of the things I do on Sundays is I work on the sidelines. I hold the first down markers for the for the Redskins or for the Washington football team. I, really, that's, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was I saw saw us beat Tom Brady yesterday I, in I person, know. live and in person. Wow, that's cool. That's yeah, it was cool. very cool. And Mark, when I think of you going to Texas and you know this new adventure, I see you buying a couple horses, maybe, and you know living on a ranch. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> uh, Oh, that my Michael. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, he he met Michael, and that that's okay. Oh, I'm sorry, Michael. I uh, I'm not insulted. After seven <laughs> years, he doesn't know my name. It's all right. I can live with that. It's all right. No, um, I think uh, probably not horses, but definitely we'll do a little more sailing. Uh, hope to do a little bit of motorcycle riding. Um, hope to continue with my music and teach and write and you know just start to uh, you know tackle work in maybe a different way. So when I said we'll, we'll sing when we got on the podcast, can you break into some music and some some song? No, but thank you again for the <laughs> opportunity um, to <laughs> decline that invitation. <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Well, this has been good. This has been good. Uh, thank you so much. Um, Something tells Mark, me Mark will be on the podcast yeah, in a couple I months. Say, I, I got to get my names right. So, Mark, we'll have you on again. And, Michael, we'll have to check in, you know, keep – Give us your uh, contact information. We'll check in with you, see how you're doing. Yeah, you know, absolutely. It's been, it's been a pleasure. You guys have always been so supportive of PHCC. And, and frankly, I just I cannot wait to see what PHCC looks like five or ten years from now. I think it's going to be fabulous. The Not Dead Yet podcast is powered by Mechanical Up Media and produced by John Masonbrink and Tim Ward. It is edited by John Masonbrink. Music presented by Jason Drum. And graphics furnished by Wayne Rowe. Thanks for listening, and until next week. <laughs>